while you're speaking, it reminded me of, is it Jairus's daughter who is dead? And Jesus said, no, she's not dead. She's only sleeping. And they go. And the thing that I love most about that particular story is um, Jairus decides to go with Jesus's verdict, not the people all around. And so we, when we're faced with that, I am dead or I'm, there's no hope for me. What is the truth? What is the truth is what Jesus would say, which is, no, you are not dead. You're only sleeping. You're listening to The Myth Pilgrim, and I am Brother Lawrence of the Missionaries of God's Love. At its heart, the spiritual journey is a delightful and perilous adventure, just like the myths and fairy tales we love. This podcast is also a journey, learning from both wizards and saints, enchanted princesses and inner demons. Together, we'll discover how the great symbols of myth and fairy tale can guide us on our journey to God. Okay, um, hello everyone. Welcome to this special episode of The Myth Pilgrim. Um, special because I have a special guest <laughs> with me, alongside me. Um, sister Rosie Drum is a missionary of God's love sister. Um, and it's I'm particularly blessed to have Rosie with me because this topic on Sleeping Beauty is something I haven't dared to do myself. I've been wanting to record an episode on this classic fairy tale um, for so long, but so when um, Rosie kind of had the idea of recording mm. uh, something on Sleeping Beauty. I'm like, yes, you know, this is a, a movement of the spirit. Um, but I'll talk about why I was a bit hesitant at first. But uh, I think the first thing I'll say is hello, Lizzie, yeah, <laughs> and hi. welcome. Yeah, wow, that's really intriguing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> controversy. That's right. That's Beauty. right. <laughs> um, but Rosie, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. And, yep. So, yep, I'm Rosie. I joined the Missionaries of God's Love um, a while back. Um, I've been 19 years in the Sisters and most of my work has been in youth ministry and I've done five World Youth Days, <laughs> about to do another one to Portugal. Um, I shouldn't say do them, I'm attending, participating and celebrating with the youth of the world. Um, what else? Oh, in, on, in terms of Sleeping Beauty, I was in a production when I was year four, well how old is that? A 10 year old where I was the lead fairy. It was my first role ever in a production at a tiny little state bush school, primary school. And it was a lead singing role. I had to sing, hush little baby, don't say a word. And I was like, let it. Wow. And it was terrifying. And a girl behind me who was in year six, like two years older than me, kicked the back of my knees and made me almost fall over. So I've got great memories of yeah, Sleeping right. Beauty. <laughs> well, hopefully today will be not just a redemption of that, but uh, hopefully something uh, quite inspiring for both of us. And mm -hmm. um, are you able to give a bit of a summary of the story yeah. for us? So I only just watched the Disney movie, but I'm much more familiar with the Brothers Grimm fairy tale than I am with the movie. But now I am familiar with both. Mm. Um, the main thing is that a, an, a couple, a king and a queen couple, had a beautiful daughter. Well, they had a daughter. And uh, on the day of her christening or um, celebrating her birth, 
Um, some fairies came and gave her, like blessed her with gifts such as beauty and grace and humour and a singing voice, things like that. Um, but a bad fairy that didn't get in, invited comes anyway and curses her with, um, on her 16th birthday she'll touch a spinning wheel, prick her finger and die. And then the final fairy says that won't actually happen. She'll, I can't undo someone's curse, but I can change it a little bit. So she'll just fall into a deep sleep. And um, so the king manages to get rid of all the spinning wheels in the whole of his kingdom so that the curse could never happen. And then we jump to this, her 16th birthday where she manages to find one. So she finds a spinning wheel in the Disney movie that's like made by bad fairy maleficent which means bad right? <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> i think it means causing harm <laughs> um yes and, and she yeah so princess aurora actually touches the spinning wheel and doesn't die but falls into a deep coma asleep and along with all of the castle actually they all go under um, I'm trying to remember how Disney then jumps this particular who. Oh, the prince. <laughs> so figure. in the story, all the princes in the in the fairy tale, all the princes in the kingdom try to come, but the the castle is actually overgrown with thorns and briars, and all the princes that have a go at getting through to the princess um, die in the thorns and briars. Not sure if that happens in Disney. I can now getting confused. Um, but the oh, the prince has already met the princess earlier in the story in the Disney movie and he comes to find her, breaks his way through the thorns um, and gets to her, kisses her, she comes back to um not back to life, comes awake and they get married, live happily ever after and everyone else wakes up too and it's a wedding feast. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a pretty good summary. In fact, you've melded the, the two, both Brothers Grimm and Disney together. Perhaps a, a detail to also to complement what you're saying is part of the, the, um, the good fairy remedying the curse of the bad fairy was that it was true love's first kiss that that's would it. break the, or, or, or um, awaken the, instead of that's uh, it. A, a dead Princess Aura, she'd just be asleep until a, a true love's kiss wakes her up. Mm. Yeah. That's right, and he does, which is good. Mm. It is good. So it does end uh, happily um, with the couple getting married and, and spinning off into the heavens, into the sky. So mm. the, the intrigue, one of the reasons why I've been a little bit hesitant myself as a man to actually touch Sleeping Beauty is because most of the hatred and, and kind of um, visceral sort of disdain for modern fairy or these classical fairy tales is precisely because they seem to suggest that the the woman that the feminine is very passive and unable to help herself and they need mm. the strong kind of you know manly figure to kind of take the initiative and to wake her up from her own helplessness and that's therefore these classical fairy tales have been a little bit uh, trashed and, and not been redone you know mm. and not been told again and even kind of erased from any books um, now, I personally don't believe that's the interpretation of these fairy tales at all. And my hints just from chatting with you is that neither do you do yourself. So I mm. wanted to now break open what is the significance then of these? Why are these tales so significant and why are they so timeless? Mm. Well, I think 
Um, it really speaks into the human condition, particularly from a Christian perspective, which these were written from that perspective. Mm. This is when Christendom was strong and everyone understood a level of virtue versus evil and um, right versus wrong and, and the reality of sin. And so from that perspective, all of us are Snow White or all of us are Briar Rose or Sleeping Beauty, as she's called, all of us are incapable of moving beyond sin and evil that has trapped us mm. into a coma. Mm. And those of us that are awake in the, hum uh, the, like, the struggle, the human struggle, we know how hard it is to shake off particular um, sinful habits that we've got into or what trauma has done to us or in all of that we, we can experience a helplessness or a powerlessness to be able to save ourselves mm. um, which is right at the very crux of what Christianity is about. Humanity can't save itself. We need a saviour and we need a human saviour. Mm. So the person of Jesus Christ is the bridge between our powerlessness and God's almighty power. So he brings the two together and saves us. So the prince figure in these stories is really a Christ figure, is Jesus who is relentlessly comes after us who are dead in our sins or asleep mm. and unconscious um, and unable to move. So it's not masculinity versus femininity as much as um, the human powerlessness versus divine power, but also divine mercy that loves mm. us so much that it would give us true love's kiss and mm. bring us wow. to the fullness of life. Just reminded even of the idea of um, the idea of a kiss, not just as a, a sort of, it, it certainly it's an act of um, intimacy and romantic, mm -hmm. um, but it's also like a breath of life. It breathes life back into mm. sort of the bride. All of us, mm. as you're saying, all of humanity collectively is Sleeping Beauty, is Snow White, is in some ways helpless and passive, um, but it takes that God, we, I mean, this mm. is what we talk about grace, right? Grace being an initiative mm. of God from outside this fallen realm in order to wake us up mm. to our, our real identity and our and real self. divine CPR. <laughs> so we, I can't give myself CPR. I need somebody else to do that. Like you just, if you're unconscious, you're unconscious. Good like you English. can't actually do that. Yeah. And so that second person has to, has to also know what they're doing and how to do it. And that is who Jesus is, that he conquers not just conquers sin, but it enters right into the depths of where we are to bring us to, to life and to breathe life into us mm. and to, you know, massage our hearts back into rhythm. Yeah, and... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This, um, the, when you mentioned the, the kind of prince figure as the Christ archetype, um, I'm just remembering, because I rewatched the Disney as well recently, um, just to see his perseverance um, and, mm. and his, like, unrelenting pursuit of Sleeping Beauty, you know, and, and putting on the lens of Christ, it's like you could see from even just this animated story, this, this adaptation, how much the prince would be willing to fight through and to, mm. um, you know, what he was willing to put at stake. Like, did any of that kind of um, speak to you when you rewatched? Oh, definitely. And that the fairies give him the sword of truth and the shield of 
shield of virtue. virtue. Yes. Shield of virtue. Um, and that's mm. what he, he makes his way through the thorns and the briars with. And he cuts through. I was like, oh my goodness, this is what God does in all the thorns and briars of self-deprecation in my head and shame and embarrassment about my own condition. He comes through with the sword of truth and tells me that I'm lovable and um, I am a child of God and I am worth him fighting for. So which is beautiful. I love that mm. they had the sword of truth doing that and then the shield of virtue, that a virtuous life can ward off then the attacks of the enemy. So yeah, the weapons of righteousness are given to the prince to make his way through. So that really struck me. And the, But then, yeah, that he never gave up. Even when, is it Maleficent says, what does she say? Now shall you deal with me, O prince, and all the powers of hell. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, then she's fa and that's when he's facing off to Maleficent herself, yeah. like the devil, you know, the snake-like, serpent-like, yeah. dragon, fire, yeah. Yeah, and he does, like yeah. he um, faces off and uses what he's been given, but um, it's the determination of real love, mm -hmm. I think, that, that allowed him to keep persevering. And it's definitely what took Jesus through death itself and dealt with the powers of hell. Mm -hmm. um, to get through yeah because mm. there could be well be listeners and I myself um, part of this is that we can have a belief that our we're so caught up in our sin and we're so unattainable and so beyond help that you know we're just completely we're not asleep we're just dead whereas mm. God doesn't see that right he he the, the whole image I mean the whole this is kind of this episode has been recorded um, first week of uh, after Easter the whole drama of Easter is mm. that Christ has gone into God forsakenness, you know, to death itself um, in order to pursue us. So um, what would you say to listeners who may be feeling like they're, they're too far gone, you know, mm. and they're too much locked away in the highest tower, you know, unreachable? Well, while you were speaking, it reminded me of, is it Jairus' daughter who is dead and Jairus um, as an mm. official, I can't remember which gospel that's in, but <laughs> um, comes and asks Jesus to come and um, and heal his daughter. And then just um, as they're on their way, someone comes and says, oh, she's dead. So don't bother the master any longer. And Jesus said, no, she's not dead. She's only sleeping. And they go. And the thing that I love most about that particular story is um, Jairus decides to go with Jesus's verdict, not the people all around. And so we, when we're faced with that, I am dead or I'm, there's no hope for me. What is the truth? And again, the sort of truth. What is the truth is what Jesus would say, which is, no, you are not dead. You're only sleeping. And he goes in and raises Jairus's daughter. But I love also that he goes in with Peter, James and John. Mm which is the authority of the whole church. So they're the apostles um, who will set up the church. So they see Jesus going, what's death? <laughs> it's just asleep. I can deal, deal with that like I can deal with anything. And they watch him deal with a dead girl and bring her back to life. Um, they also watch him die himself later and come back to life. So that's the authority of the church to speak into the lives of people now and say with all the authority given by the master himself, no, 
humanity is not dead and each individual person where there's life there's hope are not dead but are only sleeping and it's our duty to speak the truth into their lives and their hearts and bring them back to life. If you're enjoying this episode of The Myth Pilgrim, do consider sharing it with your friends so that we can together encounter God veiled in our favourite tales. I'm always open to your feedback and ideas too, so always feel free to contact me on The Myth Pilgrim Facebook page or through the website at themythpilgrim.com. Um, the other thing that's significant in that these stories is that even in the moment of the curse, there's a promise of hope and of redemption that's spoken into that moment. So in Disney, um, when Maleficent speaks the curse over her, then over little baby Aurora, um, the next fairy says, I can't undo the curse, but I can alter it or, or give, what was it, a ray of hope? You? Yeah, yeah, I've actually, actually, it's good you mentioned <laughs> that. I've actually typed the words here. So. So after Maleficent curses um, Sleeping Beauty or, or um, Aurora that she will die when she pricks her finger at 16 years old, the good fairy um, gives that ray of hope and says and blesses Aurora, baby Aurora saying, Sweet princess, if through the wicked witch's trick a spindle should your finger prick, a ray of hope there still may be in this, the gift I give to thee. Not in death, but just in sleep the fateful prophecy you'll keep. And from the slumber you shall wake, when true love's kiss, the spell shall break. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, um, the promise then is that love's, love will conquer all. And that's another line in, <laughs> in Disney as well. But it made me immediately when I was seeing that to remember that when humanity falls, so the fall in the Garden of Eden, and it's quite dramatic that, um, Again, a woman. The woman um, was tempted to take the fruit and eat it. Mind you, scripture also says, and she gave some to her husband, who was with her. So he was there the whole time as well. God speaks into it. But even in the midst of that, when he's saying, uh, you've now forfeited your right to live forever here in paradise, he drives them out. He also drives out the snake, the tempter, and says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So even at that moment, there's this ray of hope, this mm. promise that at some point humanity will crush the head of the tempter. The, even in the moment of the curse, that we're promised that there's a ray of hope and that we're going to see redemption at some point, um, which is what the whole of the Jewish religion and the messianic promise kind of that they hold through centuries and centuries um, hopes for and is fulfilled in, in Jesus. Um, Rosie, we've as we sort of arrive at the end of this episode, um, so rich, so so beautiful the sharings, I'm wondering whether um, you'd be inspired to lead a bit of a prayer just for just for some of us who may be listening who could be struggling with 
some of the themes in, mm-hmm. in today's episode, you know, helplessness, passivity, um, you know, Maleficent's curse upon our lives. Mm. Yeah. Sure, I can do that. Sure. <clears throat> so, Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the gift of life. We thank you that you've planted deep within our hearts this hope, this yearning for more than we're currently experiencing. We pray, Lord, that you continue to remind us that we are so loved that you sent your son to wipe out the thorns, the briars, the the barriers that, um, that sin has planted between us and you. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that you remind us that you have offered us and you give us true love's kiss that you breathe your very life and your light into our lives. And we pray, Lord, that you help us to respond to that kiss of life that you give us courage to to wake up, to respond to your touch and to live our lives as we are called to live it, in in courage and in love and in kindness and in that great joy of helping other people. We also pray, Mother Mary, for your help. We pray that you help us to know the gift of your Son, that you help us to respond to God's will and to God's grace in our lives. And we ask that you help us to just walk with the confidence and the grace that you walked throughout your life with. We ask all of this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.